0: Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. It's kind of disturbing, isn't it? that Those dissonant notes, and you're like, I love this music, and then I was like, oh, what's going on there? What's going on there? And what's really interesting about this series that we're in right now called Don't Be Fooled is that... And here's the reason why God has put this on my heart for this series, is that I believe in today's world, it's super easy to get distracted or deceived and put our minds on something else that will keep us from growing in our faith and keep us from doing what God wants us to do and be what God wants us to be. I think today we can get involved in things or or put our minds on things or be afraid of things that we don't understand or we don't have comprehension of or that we have opinions about and they become such important things that we forget the most important thing like Pastor Dwayne said last week, which I thought he did a phenomenal job. And so the main thought of this entire series, if, if you can grasp this, is that people need to be aware that the enemy, the devil wants to fool us into being deceived and distracted from moving forward in our faith. He wants to fool us into believing that what we're thinking, what we're putting our minds on, what we're doing is so important, but it's keeping us from moving forward in our faith. It's distracting. It's deceptive. And and so it's really important. So the big question we're trying to ask throughout this entire series is how do we recognize the deception and distraction of the enemy? How do we keep our eyes on God's mission when the enemy is attempting to deceive and to distract? And my goal, my my passion for this entire series is to walk us through what that looks like and what that means. How can we uh, keep our eyes on God? How can we keep our eyes on the mission? How can we keep our eyes on our growth and not get distracted by the things of this world? And so it's really, really important that we do this. So um, today, I've titled this message, Romanticized Faith. Romanticized Faith. Have you ever romanticized something? Have you ever just, because romanticized means that it's the ideal, the perfect, the utopia of what things can be right you have so you walked into church today and you had an expectation you have an anticipation you you have this picture in your mind this would be the perfect experience and then you 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 you, you saw somebody that maybe makes you uncomfortable or maybe reminds you of something or maybe you, the coffee wasn't just quite right Maybe you were, you were greeted just like you anticipated being greeted. Maybe the person across the way has two chins and it's distracting. I know that sounds weird, but it can be those little things. It doesn't have to be a big thing, right? Maybe, maybe you don't like black shirts. Whatever it is, it can be something that, that knocks you off. Your peace knocks you off that focus on God and it puts your focus on something else. That's the enemy. So when we romanticize an experience, and I'm not saying we should lower our expectations, but I'm, I am saying that when we romanticize something and we place it on humanity, there's always gonna be failure. But when we place our expectations on Jesus and we come and we anticipate meeting with him, You will never be disappointed. You'll never be disappointed. I know I've I've romanticized relationships. I know my wife has has never been disappointed because everything she dreamt of, I am. (laughs) Obviously that is a fallacy. That is not true. I know she did have the, the, the dreams and the ambitions and, and I, you know, hoping that I would be this perfect man, but uh, nope, that didn't happen. <laughs> have you ever romanticized a job? It's going to be the perfect place. I love the manager. I love the employees that I work with. And then you get there, and all of a sudden they're human beings. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's tensions or you have a customer that comes and just gives it to you. And you romanticize what it should be like, but then once you romanticize it, then there's plenty of room for disappointment, right? Fitness. Have you ever romanticized fitness? I'm gonna work out, and all of a sudden I'm gonna go poop. you know. And you just you you know that if you just work out that one day, you're gonna be full of muscles, and you know, um, it's, yeah, maybe not. Okay. <clears throat> Or even wealth. Wealth can be one of those things that you say, when I have money, I, it's going to be so much better. And you, we romanticize it. We think that the rich have it easy and we think that the, the poor have it hard. And, and yes, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages, but there's all kinds of, of perspectives of how we think if I only had that, then life would be so much better. And then you get it and it's like, oh, wait. There comes a whole lot of responsibility with that. There comes a whole lot of challenges and problems and different perspectives of that. I'm convinced that many of us have been discouraged by our expectations, by our romanticizing of faith. And and again, I'm not going to ask you to lower your expectations, but I'm going to ask you to raise them to the person of Jesus. All of our expectations should be in relationship to him. And one of the things that I found out that people who are romanticizing something, they usually put the romantic part on the other person. If they become that, if I get this, if it's not me becoming the romantic version of me, it's everybody else becoming the romantic version of what I expect them to be, right? It's really quiet in the room. So have you ever had those expectations of, of church and what, of, of community, of relationship? All those things are um, okay. It's okay to have an ideal in mind. It's okay to have a vision of what something really good can look like. It's okay. But I think too often we romanticize it to the degree that we lose perspective of what's really important, and that is to keep my eye on Jesus. And as long as I have my eye on him and my relationship with him is good, then I'm never going to be disappointed here. I may be disappointed here, but this is going to get me through that. And then the Bible is, is full of ideas on how we, you and I, can live together. I mean, if you came for the perfect church at Journey Church, I'm sorry. The minute I walked in, it became imperfect. Okay? The minute I walked in, it became imperfect. And and the truth is, because we are all human, it's just an imperfect place. That's why we call ourselves a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Right? We're a hospital for sinners, we're not a museum for saints. We're not this place that we're gonna try and preserve and and, and keep everything just neat and clean and perfect and not let anybody move and 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 no, we're we're messy. And we welcome those that are messy because we know that Jesus is able to clean up any mess that we make. And he's a powerful, amazing God. If you have a romantic idea of what the church is, look at Jesus. Don't look at us. We're going to mess it up. We're going to be imperfect. We might have spilled the coffee on ourselves on the way to church. And we might have a bad attitude, but the reality is is that God is alive and well, and he shows up at Journey Church Ventura. When I was growing up, I didn't accept Christ until I was 18. And I've said this before, and I don't mean what I'm about to say. I don't mean to say in order to discredit or um, dishonor my dad. But my dad was a contradiction in faith. And, and I had this picture in my head that this is there's a, a certain way that a Christian should live. And my dad didn't live that way. I grew up in the church, so I had this perspective that you know Christian people were different. And that my dad wasn't. And so my dad was really the, the authority in my life and the, the, the picture of what Christianity was. And I didn't want that. And so what I found out is that had I looked to Jesus and not my dad, I probably would have accepted Christ a lot sooner. And it's the devil's ploy, it's the enemy's ploy that worked, at least for 18 years. The, 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 the whisperer in my head kept saying, no, that's, you, you don't want what your dad has. Because your dad's imperfect. Your dad doesn't live. He's a hypocrite. He's, he, you know, I called him all kinds of names. I had all kinds of pictures in my head. And I, and, and I had this idealistic picture of what Christianity could be, but it wasn't. And so I rejected it until I moved away and I, I got in touch with a whole bunch of people that said, uh, we're not perfect, but we do love Jesus. And we're going to point you to him. And once I started seeing who Jesus was and who he really was and that he loved me regardless of my mistakes and my, my faults and my issues and my circumstances and, and all these kinds of things, all of a sudden i would like, wow, I want Jesus. And I accepted him in 1979, in July of 1979. And, and it, it, I had to get to the point where it no longer was this romanticized picture in my mind of, of how humans should live. It's how I should relate to Jesus. And as soon as that happened, it's powerful. This is why I want to talk about this issue. is because I believe the enemy, the devil, wants to do anything he can to distract and deceive us from receiving what he truly wants in our lives because we are focusing on other things and getting distracted and even deceived by thinking that those things are important and those things are keeping us from a genuine faith in Christ. There's a truth that I I hope we all embrace. And and John 10.10 says this. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. These are Jesus' words. But we have to understand that there is an enemy there is someone out there, the, the devil himself and all of his demons that are going to do everything they can to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. And they're not just going to come in these, in these red outfits with horns on their head and tails sticking out and a pitchfork. It's not going to come that way. It's going to come in a, in, in a distraction or a deception. It's going to come as you walk in the building and you 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 see somebody that you're uncomfortable with or maybe you don't have a great relationship with and all of a sudden no longer is it about church it's about that relationship that's gone bad if the if the devil can get you to look at that instead of what you can receive this morning wow he's won he's won. First Peter 5, 8, 9 says this, but be alert and of sober mind. Pastor Duane mentioned this last last week, of sober mind. You know know what it's like to be sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is an enemy that has no, no other motive than to destroy us, to take us out. To distract us, to deceive us, to put put us off track, so that we will not grow or accomplish the mission that he's, uh, that God's put us uh, in front of us. And if we will let that happen, then we will get distracted, we will get deceived, we will have a different agenda than Jesus has for us. And because we think that these other things are important to give our attention to, and they're not, and they're not. You need to understand this. The the enemy rarely plays defense. He he rarely plays defense. He's usually on the offense. He's usually attacking. And he wants to attack you. And he will put everything in front of you that he can possibly put in front of you to deceive you. And we need to embrace that concept. Last week, Pastor Duane mentioned a book that we're, we're using to kind of give us some thoughts about this don't be fooled concept. It's called Screwtape Letters. Screwtape Letters, and it's written by the author C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is an amazing author. If you, get, if you have a chance to read anything he writes, read it, because it's, it's just fantastic. But in this book, there are, th- there are basically four types of, of individuals. The, the Screwtape is the senior demon. He's the mentor demon. And Wormwood is the junior demon. And then the patient is the, Christ- is, is the, the human. The patient is the human. And in the book... Screw tape will often refer to the enemy, who is God. Because God is the devil's enemy, right? And by the way, God never loses a battle. As long as we let Him fight it. Right. Amen? All right. So listen to this. This is a clip from chapter two of Screw Letters, and it, sa- it simply says this Make his mind, and he's talking about the patient, the human, make his mind flit to and fro between an expression like the body of Christ and the actual faces in the next pew. So he's basically saying, make the patient's mind go back and forth between his image of the body of Christ and and people in the pew. Now, if you have an image of the body of Christ and you look next to you, do you see Jesus? (laughs) That can be distracting all by itself, right? Especially if you're looking for someone to date. That's not going to work. Okay. It matters very little, of course, what kind of people that next pew really contains. You may know one of them to be a great warrior on the enemy's side. No matter, your patient, thank, <clears throat> thanks to our father below, the devil, is a fool. Ugh. This is, he's talking about the human. Provided that any of those neighbors sing out of tune, have boots that squeak or double chins, like I mentioned earlier, or odd clothes, the patient will quite easily believe that their religion must therefore be somehow ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? That squeaky boots or someone singing out of tune or any of those kinds of things could knock us off of a genuine relationship with Jesus. We put our attention on those things rather than on the things of God. At his present stage, you see, he has an idea of Christians in his mind, which he supposes to be spiritual, but which in fact is largely pictorial, or just an idea. His mind is full of togas and sandals and armor and bare legs, and the mere fact that the other people in church wear modern clothes is a real, though of course an unconscious, difficulty to him. I like what C.S. Lewis is saying here. He's saying that we can so easily be distracted or deceived that those things, the squeaky boots has distracted, or the the double chin, or the singing out of tune, all of those things can be distractions from focusing on who Jesus is. So here's the play of the enemy the play of the enemy is to first get us to create an unreal expectation of what we're going to experience. And then the second play is this, that if I can get you to have an unreal expectation, then I can also get you to be so disappointed that your expectation wasn't met that you lose sight of really what's supposed to happen here. You lose sight of what's really supposed to happen in your life. We lose sight of the, the, the real experience of meeting with Jesus rather than meeting with just with each other. Now, I'm not saying we're supposed to be a bunch of, uh, of, of goofballs that don't know how to treat each other, right? We should represent Jesus pretty well as a church. We should work on that. We need to be Jesus to our world. And when the world walks in this building or when we meet up with the world outside, they shouldn't meet with someone who's angry and bitter and, and, and ticked off and, and rude and crude and socially unacceptable. We should be Jesus to this world, but we're still, you know, if you expect that of me 24-7, 365, there's going to be a day where you're going to be disappointed. And it might be true of you too, I don't know. But the reality is that we have to get beyond the romanticized version of faith and know that anytime we want to romanticize something, we have to be in romance with Jesus. And when we are, then it works in us to become more like Christ. And if all of us are focused on Jesus, then we begin to express him to those around us. Does that sound good? And so we have to be those people that are not becoming disenchanted with the church. There's a phrase out there called de-churched people. Believe it or not, there are more de-churched people in the world today than there are churched people. D-church people are people that got disenchanted with the church and they left. Why? Because they were so hurt or so bothered or maybe the enemy got so... uh, got them so riled up about the fact that that church doesn't, doesn't sing hymns or that church doesn't, uh, the, the pastor doesn't wear modern clothes or he doesn't wear a robe or whatever the case may be. Whatever the expectation is or the romanticization is that those people have said, forget it. I don't want to be a part of it. Not everybody has said, I don't want to be a part of Jesus. They've, many of them have just said, I don't want to be a part of the church anymore. And I think that's disastrous. I think it's disastrous. Let me give you a little example of, uh, of something in the Bible that I think of a romanticized version of faith. So Jesus fed 5,000 people. Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. And then he's walking along the path on his way to Jerusalem, and he in Luke chapter nine, verse 57. He said, we find this little story. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So what we know about this man is he's, he just saw Jesus feed 5,000. He just saw Jesus heal a, <clears throat> a demon-possessed boy. And now he's, he's walking along with Jesus and he's going, man, I'm going to follow this Jesus because everywhere he goes, it's going to be healings. It's going to be feeding 5,000. He's going to be creating food. All these kinds of things, which I'm, I'm, I'm in if he's creating food. And then Jesus replied this. He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus said, really? You want to follow me? I don't even have a home. I don't even have a home. Let's get rid of the romantic version of faith and let's understand that I don't even have a home. He goes on to say this. He uh, He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, there's some interesting language in this that's really important to understand. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. The dead, meaning the first dead, let the dead, the spiritually dead, bury their own dead. So what he's saying is, if you're not committed enough to follow me no matter what, then you're spiritually dead. In order to follow me, you have to be all in. There can't be a romanticization that you can go and do whatever you want, and then you will follow me. I come first. I come first. And so he says, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, he's not saying that that man's spiritually dead. He's just saying, if you are spiritually dead, then go bury dead. because you're not following me. He had another romantic perspective that I can go do whatever I need to do and then I will follow Jesus. Another small illustration, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Wow. Those are harsh statements. Those are tough ones to to embrace and to handle. But the reality is simply this, is that we have to understand that what God wants is for him to be First. He needs to be first in our eye. He's the only romantic perspective that we need to have. And when we get that kind of relationship going, then we're Jesus to everybody else. Instead of romanticizing this relationship, romanticize this one. And when we do, God will help us get beyond that disappointment, that frustration, that, that anger, that, oh, I don't like what this looks like. I don't like, that nothing about this is perfect. Nothing about this is ever gonna be perfect. And I'm not saying we're not striving for, for, for perfection here at Journey Church Ventura. You can ask the staff. I'm, I have high expectations of how we treat people and how we organize and how we put things together and all those kinds of things. I have really high expectations of that. But one of our mottos is simply this, progress, not perfection. As long as we see progress, I'm happy. I, we strive for perfection, but I expect progress. As long as we have that progress in our faith, in our walks with God, in our progression of walking with him and becoming more like Jesus, then I'm happy. If we're stale, if we're stagnant, if we're complacent, if we're apathetic, if we're moving backwards, that's not satisfactory at all. The Bible tells us that we gather here so that we can encourage one another to live faith and to live it out and to be like Jesus. And we need that. We need that weekly. Many times we need it every day, right, to somehow to, to be encouraged in our faith, to progress. If the enemy can get us to look off and look another way, then he's won. And I want to encourage you today. In our world, there are so many things that we can give our attention to. There are so many things that we could give our loyalties to. There are so many things that we could be distracted by or deceived by. But there's only one that really matters, and that's Jesus. There's only one that really matters. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to help us romanticize something so that we become disappointed with it, disenchanted with it, and, and even move away from it. And that's not acceptable. Our best hope is to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on people. Hebrews 12:1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw off those things that keep us from moving forward. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. God has a plan. And when we get off that plan, that simply means we've given our attention, we've given our energies, we've given our loyalties, we've given something that we didn't, shouldn't have given. We're, we're not running the race that he wants us to run. And we need to, in verse two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If we have a romanticized version of faith, we will grow weary and lose heart. If we're disappointed in in God's people, and I, I... let me, let me just be clear. I, I think we, should not, we shouldn't be disappointing to people. But we are going to disappoint people. There's going to be a day where you, you, you find us in a mood. <laughs> right? I mean, if you're in any kind of relationship, you know that's true. And, and it's, gonna, it's not going to be perfect. So as long as we keep this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, then we can go through the challenging times. Then we can win. Then we can experience the glory of God. And he gives us grace to go through those. And we see God's glory shine in those moments, which is really powerful. And so I want to encourage us all not to be disenchanted, not to be distracted by the things of this world, not to give our attention or our loyalties to something that is not about Jesus. And you say, Pastor, we should care for all these political things. We should care. I I don't disagree with you that there should be a a concern, a worry, or an involvement in some of those things. But if that takes the place of Jesus, or if you're becoming more and more disenchanted with the church because of those things and not because of what Jesus is doing, then it's in the wrong place. And I respect anybody and, and everybody for their opinions, their thoughts, their, their, all the things that are going on in our world today. Can't help but draw us to, to, to kind of pay attention to it. But if it's the distraction that keeps us from our genuine faith and our genuine relationship with Jesus, then the enemy has won. And that's not acceptable. And so today I want to pray for you. Because I believe that today somebody walked in in, in the building Already disenchanted. Already discouraged. You had to work up the energy to get here. Not because of maybe hopefully not because of journey church. But you just you're just discouraged. You're frustrated. You're you're looking at things in this world and, and you have a romanticized version of the world. And it's disappointing you. Something's going on that's not connecting with you. Maybe you're distant, you've been hurt by another church. Maybe you've been hurt by, by a church or this church. I want, I want you to know that God wants you to come to him and he wants to heal your heart and he wants to become the, the focal point of your life and your heart and your mind and your spirit. I believe that healing can happen right now. No matter where that hurt came from, no matter how it came if you're disenchanted, God wants to heal you right now. He wants to set your heart on him. He wants you to throw off the things that hinder you and put your eyes, fix your eyes on him. And when you do, you're going to feel that peace. You're not going to hear those dissonant chords that we heard in that video. Don't you, don't you feel that? You, you're kind of walking along, you're feeling good, and all of a sudden... Blah, blah. Weird cord hits your life. Oh, that was ugly. Let's get rid of those. Let's get rid of those things, small or big, it doesn't matter. I believe God wants to heal right now. Anybody that's hurt, anybody that's disenchanted, anybody that's distracted or deceived. God wants to heal right now. Father God, I come to you. And I believe, Lord, that you're leading us in a in a direction to be aware that the enemy is doing everything it can to knock us off track, to deceive us, to distract us, to keep us from growing, to keep us from uniting together, to keep us from experiencing the fullness of your love and grace and forgiveness, to keep us from e- expressing the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And I pray right now for anyone in this room that is disenchanted, that is hurting, that is struggling in their faith, in their hope, in their joy, I pray, Lord, that you would help right now. Just set their minds and hearts on you you because you will never disappoint us. You will always fill us with your love. You will always fill us with your peace. You will always fill us with your joy. You will always bring hope and life to us. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you bless anyone, anyone who came here with a hurt, a a disappointment, a frustration, a distraction, a deception. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray right now that you bring healing. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you wouldn't mind just for a moment, I, I rarely do this, but I'd like to do this now. If you're one of those individuals, would you just raise your hand? Because I want to pray for you. You're disenchanted. You're hurting. You're struggling. Yeah, you've been hurt. Yeah. 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 God wants to bring total healing to you right now. And the only way to experience that is to let the Holy Spirit just bathe you in His love and His grace and take your your eyes off of the thing that hurt you and put your eyes on Jesus. Lord, I pray for these hands. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would right now release each of these uh, individuals, Lord, from the pain they're experiencing, the frustration they've had, maybe even the romantic picture that they had, Lord. We're not asking them to uh, release the quality of that, but we're asking them to release the hurt from that in the name of Jesus. I pray that you bless them right now with your love and your grace. As we fix our eyes on you, God, you're a loving God who never disappoints us. You're a a God who can meet every expectation we have because you are a good God. And every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we thank you and praise you for it. Lord, I believe that you're healing. I believe that you're bringing wholeness and health to your church right now, this very moment. And God, we, we declare as Journey Church Ventura that we will be a church that does everything we can to represent you to not disappoint people, to be unified in heart and soul, to be together in our mission, to be focused on the things that you want us to be focused on, not on the things of this world or the deceptions or distractions that the enemy brings. But God, we will be a church that is dedicated to representing you and your character to this world so that we're not a part of the enemy's distraction or deception. I thank you and I praise you for that, God. I praise You that You are bringing wholeness and health to our lives and that You are helping us understand the joy, the joy of not living in deception or distraction. But we are focused, our eyes are fixed on You. And I thank You and I praise You for that. And one last thing, if there's anybody, if you're online, if you're here in this room and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to encourage you right now, you have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Jesus is calling your name and saying, I want to be your Lord and Savior. I want to be the one who forgives you of the sins that you've ever made in your life. I want to give you hope for eternal life, and I want to have relationship with you forever. And Jesus is calling you out. And if that's you, I want you just to pray this prayer. If you're online, you're here on site, just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I accept your forgiveness. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I can experience forgiveness of my sins. That that today, because of this prayer, I am now completely clean. I am completely forgiven. And I stand righteous or right before you, God. And Lord, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And because of that, I am promised eternal life. And so, Lord, I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I commit to follow you with my whole heart, And I thank you for saving me today. I thank you for bringing me into this family, the family of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.